the volume. Soup with Coop is brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any other fantasy sport, there is a contest for every fan. FanDuel. More ways to win. My next guest on Soup with Coop is an Idaho Vandal, a three-time Super Bowl champion, broadcaster, actor, and one of the great guys in all of sports, Mark Stinky Stink Schlereth joins Soup with Coop. Welcome, my friend. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Coop, man. It's, I don't know that, I know that we've met along the way, but we've never really um, had an extended conversation. So I'm excited to have this conversation and have some soup with you. It, we're overdue, my friend. We're overdue. And uh, I know, Mark, you're from Alaska. I would imagine Alaskans are big soup eaters. Uh, yeah, because it's cold, you know, eight months of the year. So you want to you wanna be able to warm your innards uh, with some soup. Most of the time, you know, I'm a, a meat with a side of meat guy is kind of the, the way I operate. Uh, but uh, the issue now is that I'm a couple months away from the season starting and I actually have to get into some really nice suits that currently don't fit. So Coop, I, I literally spend the whole season at about, 248 to 252 and three weeks after the season's over i'm 265 to 270 somewhere in there so yeah i uh, i am i'm currently right now this is good that we're eating soup together because currently right now uh, i've got to drop um at least a dozen pounds and what are we what are you uh, what are you partaking in today soup wise um, we've got the uh, minestrone. Is it minestrone soup? Yeah, it's um, it's actually delicious. It's got some noodles in it and some, um, you know, vegetables and things of that nature that uh, normally are, are not part of my diet. So um, this is this is a nice change. Yeah, I don't normally go with minestrone, but I, today it is absolutely delicious. Filled with vegetables and treats galore. Yeah, it's very good. Very good. I was doing some research on minestrone and clearly an Italian root there, but it's, it's really known to be kind of a soup of the paupers, you know, an old porridge, kind of the, kind of the poor man's soup that, you know, as time progressed, they added more vegetables as people got a little more affluent, but this is not a aristocratic noble person soup. It's a, it's an everyday lineman guard, kind of a, you know, right. A ball. That, that makes uh that makes uh, perfect sense, right? It's uh. It is, uh, what was the, what was the, uh, oh gosh, I'm trying to think of the Disney movie, you know, because that's how, you know, as, as a father and then a grandfather now, um, really that's, that's all you, ratatouille, you know, what, like, it's like you just throw a bunch of stuff together, right? And then you, you make a meal of it. So that's kind of this, this uh, particular soup. And I, I appreciate that. This is actually kind of an offensive line. You know, I mean, the, you don't ever want to be, like, if you play offensive line, the only thing you really want to be is a tagline at the end of the game that the quarterback or the running back says like, Hey, got to think the, the big guys up front, you know, for that 200 plus yards, let's talk about me for a while. Right. So, you know, cause if your name gets mentioned, you probably really suck. So like, you just want to be the tagline. You just want to be the big fellas, the, the, uh, hog mollies, whatever it is, but that's really all you want. And then, uh, so this soup is the perfect, uh, it's the perfect compliment to, uh, 
of being a, an ex-O lineman. Yeah, I don't think anybody wants to talk about their O lineman having a quiche. No, <laughs> right, exactly. Nothing, nothing fancy, right? Absolutely. You just want to, you want to get in there. You want the meat and potatoes of uh, of the National Football. And Mark, you mentioned two forty five. What was your playing weight? What was your? You grew up in Alaska, probably. I was looking at the great Alaskans that have entered the NFL. Uh-huh. You're the you're the first one on the list of highlights. So it's, I mean, when when a guard leads the way, you can tell that you're in pretty elite company. Yeah, well, there's not a whole lot of, you know, I mean, number one, uh, total population of Alaska is probably about five hundred thousand. You know, um, so it's not like a it's not like a hugely populated state. And um, yeah, shoot, Coop, when I was playing high school football, we played six, seven games. Like we would end in October. So, you know, by the time you get to go to college and, and partake in college football, the kids that you're competing against, they play double, triple the amount of games that you got to play, right? So from a, just an experience standpoint, um, you're very limited from an experience standpoint. So I had, you know, I had two scholarship offers coming out of Alaska. Um, both teams came up to, to, to basically do a football camp in Alaska. Um, I think going into my senior year, maybe. And, um, and so I part, I partook in this, in this camp and, um, you know, I was athletically gifted, um, but I wasn't, you know, a huge guy. Um, and, and I got the opportunity. I got, I got scholarship offered in Hawaii and Idaho. And honestly, because of my lack of experience, because I didn't play, you know, a ton of games in, in high school, I went on my recruiting trip to Hawaii and I really questioned whether I could play at that level. I was like, I have no idea. And so then I went to Idaho and I felt like, well, you know what? I'm not going to ride the bench. I'll probably get an opportunity to play maybe after a red shirt year or whatever. And at least I know I'm going to get to play. And that was really, you know, the biggest reason I chose to go to the university of Idaho is I thought that my skill set based upon my high school football experience fit better at the University of Idaho. So um, that's really, you know, people go, well, you wouldn't go to Hawaii. Two things. One, I didn't think I could play there. Two, I didn't want to wake up to sunshine. I grew up in Alaska, right? Like I could, I would go nuts waking up to sunshine every day. I need some snow. I need some sleet. I need some garbage. And so I thought, well, at least Idaho will provide that for me during the wintertime, you know, so it'll be a little bit more like home. That's amazing that someone from Alaska would not want any sort of culture shock of great weather every day. I'm glad to know you're stuck in your roots and you like it the way it is. What were you weighing coming out of high school as a recruit? How much is it? Were you always a lineman? Did you, were you a skilled guy that just gained weight and turned into a lineman or were you always in the trenches? Well, no, I was, I was, uh, I I always played offensive line, but I was coming out of high school at 220, 225. Um, And then, you know, I played, I played linebacker in high school. I played center in high school. And, um, and then when I got to the University of Idaho, I mean, I, I went from playing center to playing nose guard, defensive end, um, played some outside stand-up linebacker, um, and ended up getting hurt so often. I mean, I was hurt so much during my college career that I actually was retired as a junior. And so I was completely retired from, from football as a junior in, in college. Um, and so I, I had a at the time I had had six knee surgeries during my college career and I had an elbow surgery and, and that's what retired me. And, um, I ended up, you know, getting healthy from the surgery and starting to work out again. And, 
basically going into my senior year, begged the university to let me play. Like, just, hey, just let me finish, right? And I ended up, I ended up a year 19 or 20 years old, whatever you are, and I assigned uh, papers to limit their liability toward me as an injury risk for them to allow me to come back, right? I didn't talk to my dad. I didn't talk to anybody. Like, oh, yeah, what do you need me to sign? Hey, I'm, uh, I'm good, right? <laughs> so I come back for my senior year, and I switched over to guard, which I hadn't played because um, I had played center and, and – bunch of different positions so I switched back over to guard and I ended up playing my junior or my senior year at guard and making it through the season healthy and um and I had no agent I had no interest I played one year of college football but it was always my dream since I was 12 growing up in Alaska I was a huge Pittsburgh Steelers fan so it was always my dream to play in the NFL and I I really had I had nothing I was just kind of stuck and one of my teammates, uh, a guy by the name of Marvin Washington, went on to play for 11 years, 11, 12 years in the league, um, was, was drafted by the Jets. He calls me up one night and says, hey, man, uh, you know, the, the Bengals are coming to work me out tomorrow at the facility. He goes, why don't you show up to my workout? And I was like, thanks. And we called him Dirty Wash, you know, Dirty. I said, thanks, Dirty. I appreciate it, right? And so I showed up to, to his workout introduced myself to the scouts for the Bengals and just begged them to let me work out. And the thing for me was I could run. I could, even with the knee surgery, even with the issues, I could run, I could jump. Um, I've always been strong as an ox. I mean, I've always had weight room strength and field strength. And so Marvin invited me to his workouts and I just show up to Marvin's workout. And here's the crazy thing about friendship. Like, you know, Here's one of the things I love about being an athlete or love about about sports in general is that you celebrate somebody else's success like it's your own. And like there's there's not many places in the world that that happens, right, where there's not jealousy. So I showed up to Marvin's workout and absolutely blew him away. Like I run faster for it. He was a defensive end. At, you know, six foot six, he was a former basketball player, six, six, uh, 265, 270, had one year of college football because he played college basketball at UTEP and the program got canceled. So he transferred to Idaho and played college football and got 14 sacks. Right. So he's this hot commodity. And I show up to his workouts. I blow him away in the bench. I blow him away in the eye test. I blow him away in the 40s, like everything. Like I probably cost him three or four rounds in the draft. He got drafted in the sixth round. He was supposed to go in the second or the third, right? I, but I'm telling you, Coop, probably 15 different times he called me and invited me to his workout. And I showed up, and that's how I got on the radar. And my film was good, you know, from my, from my last year. My film was good. And um, I, ended up, I ended, up, uh, ended up getting calls on my own from different teams to come to work me out. And so even at, the, even at that, I was too, too, probably 280-ish. I mean, the, the, the Washington Redskins worked me out as, a, uh, as an H-back. They wanted me to play tight end. Because um, I, I, like, I was a legit 4'7", 4'8", 4'8", 4'8", guy. Um, I could run and, and I could do those things at that weight. So they wanted me initially to be a, an H-back. Anyhow, they ended up drafting me because then, then they said, you know, they said Billy Devaney, who used to be, he, he was a scout for us. And then he became the GM of the Rams and, and Billy and I are good friends, but he came and worked me out. Then he sent the O-line coach, Joe Bugle, the legendary coach, to come work me out. And they ended up drafting me and uh, as a center 
But I think the, the coolest part of this story is, you know, is the connection you have with your friends, right? The connection you have with the guys that you played with. So we get done. I mean, I, I play six years in Washington. I leave. I go to, to Denver. Um, we just finished the 97 season, um, 98 Super Bowl with a championship in Super Bowl 32 against the Green Bay Packers, uh, where I single-handedly won that game. It's amazing the performance I've gone. <laughs> a lot of people don't even realize. They all think about, hey, if, the, if John Elway does it, the helicopter thing, if I don't miss my block, that never happens. So you're welcome, right? <laughs> yeah. He doesn't yeah. say that in the Wikipedia. I don't know what happened. I mean, it's right. totally yeah. So, so, so anyhow, I'm sitting in the training room where I spent the majority of my career um, with ice on doing something in the offseason from a surgery I just had. And Mike Shanahan comes down and says, hey, man, we need a backup defensive lineman, some guy that can play, you know, that can be a rotational guy that can play DN, D-tackle, you know, a guy that fits. Because I just need a guy that really fits with our football team. And he goes, and he just hands me a sheet of paper. And there's like seven names on it. He goes, I don't know any of these guys. Well, you know them all. You've played for a long time. He goes, any guy on here that really kind of fits our team. So I grab a piece of paper. I'm looking at the piece of paper. And, and the first name I see about halfway down is Marvin Washington. And I go, hey, sign him. He fits. So he signs Marvin, and Marvin and I play together in 1998 and win a world championship together, Super Bowl 33. So the only reason I played the National Football League is because of Marvin Washington. And Marvin Washington, I, the only reason he got a Super Bowl is because I said, sign him. Bring him to us. And so – it's kind of a full circle situation with uh, with Marvin. It was just a uh, a blessing to be a part of, of that guy. And I owe that my NFL career to Marvin Washington. And and that's I love stories like that. And that's what football is all about. It doesn't surprise me that a guy with the nickname of Dirty is looking out for a guy with the nickname of Stink. I mean, it seemed like the right kind of tandem. Maybe a, maybe you might see Dirty and Stink doing karaoke down on Bourbon Street, but you don't think I'm, those guys looking out for each other and extending NFL careers and turning into Super Bowls. Um, that's awesome. That's what, that's what sports are all about. And uh, unfortunately, there's not enough of that, and there's too much, you know, look at me. But that's uh, – right. I like that. I'm glad, you, I'm glad you shared that with us. Um, being drafted in the 10th round, was that exciting or was that depressing? Because the 10th round doesn't exist anymore. No, you know, uh, legendary old line coach Jim McNally for the Bengals worked me out a bunch. And uh, he loved me. He, he, every time I see him, he's, he goes, you're the one that got away. That's what he always says to me. And so Jim was calling me every round. Like the first round went down. The first round went down. I was playing dunk hoops up at the SAE house. Like I didn't, I wasn't even there. You know, it was on TV at the time. So I wasn't even home in case the, the phone rang. I was like, there's no way I'm getting drafted. Like not on day one. And so I, I'm not even home. I get, I get back home after we play hoops and we're doinking around and my phone starts ringing and it's Jim McNally, the old line coach of the banks. And he calls me literally every round like from the second or third round on going, Hey man, I'm standing on the table for you. I'm trying to get them to draft. I'm trying to get them to draft. Right. So every, like literally every round, it's the fourth round. It's the fifth round. It's the, my phone rings. It's Hey, I'm on the table for you, man. I'm going to get you. And it goes, you know, the Bengals get up and sure enough, they, it's a different name. You know, it's not my name. And he calls me, um, 
like I said, every round and the 10th round's coming up. And he calls me and goes, finally, they're going to let me take it. This is it. This is the round, right? I go, okay, great. And I don't, I'm not sure where their pick was. It was like 270. And I was like 263 for Washington. So my phone rings and I think it's, I think it's the Bengals. I think that's where I'm going. And sure enough, it's the Washington Redskins. And they say, Hey man, you're the uh, 263rd pick of the, the and Hey, listen, man, I was dumb enough at that time, the 10th round. I, I mean, I felt like I puffed out my chest. I was like, Hey, give me a, you know, coach ticket. I'm ready to go. <laughs> and, and I did, I did fly, I flew coach. Um, and uh, I got to Washington and I tell you, it's it's such an interesting thing because you go to the mini camp, right, Coop? And um, I'm a tenth rounder out of Idaho, an off-injured guard from Idaho, right, playing center. And um, you're in at, at that point, you're in helmets, no pads, and it's full go. I mean, it is it's it's there is no you know we're not walking off the ball. This is full go. And I never forget, I'm standing around watching veterans compete. And I was like, I was literally like, oh shit, I don't think I belong here. <laughs> right. I mean, like, I don't know. And, um, and so I get my opportunity to go and um, I'm playing against uh, Tracy Rocker, who was the first player taken that in that draft out of Auburn, he was the Outland trophy winner mm-hmm. and he's playing nose and I'm playing center. And um and, you know, get thrown in the drill one-on-ones and, um, you know, it was, it was like that. It was just like clockwork, man. Bam. You like stabbed me. The bike. Always, had, always had strength just and good hands. Came natural and, to you? Just not right. – you, you thought you were in awe, but at the same time, it just – you did – Like, I, I was – I'm you know, I'm like in anybody who's played. I'm a competitor, right? And it's time to compete. Was I nervous? Yeah. Was I scared? Absolutely. But, you know what, I'm going to compete. And, and so – I, you know, at that point, I was like, oh, shoot, this is the Outland Trophy winner from Auburn, and I'm handling it, no problem, you know, and we had some great epic battles, but I was like, I, I belong, and it was one of those, it was one of those kind of epiphany moments where you're like, okay, it doesn't, doesn't matter where you came from, it doesn't matter, you know, if you traveled on coach, <laughs> on, on, in the back of the United flight on coach, or if you, you know, they got you a first class ticket. Uh, the fact is you got here and, and once you got here, like I was always big on, don't talk yourself out of it. Right. I mean, the only way that I wasn't going to make a football team and I had, I convinced myself of this is because I wasn't good enough. And at that point, you're like, if I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough. Right. I I can live with that, but it wasn't going to be a lack of effort or preparation or study or any of that stuff. I was like, I'm going to fight my ass off to, to try to make this thing a career because it's been my childhood dream since I was 12. And so that was kind of my epiphany moment when I, I realized I actually belong. I actually deserve to, to play. And, um, and anyhow, the rest is history. 12 years later, you know, it was a, it was a good run. Heck yeah, it was an amazing run. And I, I like that. You know, that's back to our minestrone. I mean, you're just one of the guys just trying to, just trying to fit in. And next thing you know, um, next time you'll be drinking we have a vicious swah and quiche, you know, you're, yeah. you're, you paid your, you paid your dues and you're an aristocrat now, but yeah. a lot, back to the, the grind. I mean, it's no secret. Your injury history is uh, well-documented 29 surgeries, 20 on the knee. Um, and I, there's many quotes. Coach Shanahan talks about your pain threshold. Uh, Mark, do you ever look back and go, you know, maybe I, 
you know, should have been a dancer or an actor or something. I mean, you know, 29 is, is a lot. No, it is. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, probably nine parts stupidity and one part, whatever <laughs> toughness. Um, I, you know, it was, it was always important to me, um, to be a great teammate. And, um, and that was, that was part of, of kind of my mission statement was, um, I play this game not for money or not for myself. I play this game for the people that I play with, um, for the organization that I play for. Um, and, and that's coaches, that's trainers, that's equipment guys. That's, I mean, I had a six year running dark game with the equipment guys. You know, I had a cribbage game that was, that was going on for six years with the, the, uh, the Greek and, and Steve Antonopoulos Greek and, and the whole uh, the whole training room staff. As a matter of fact, I Greek had a uh, I, I what he had some type of surgery like an appendectomy, and I came down to visit him when he woke up from uh, from from surgery with a cribbage board in hand and took his money um, down at the Swedish hospital. <laughs> so you know, I mean, I had these connections and these relationships, and I always felt like it was my responsibility um, to play injured, not just hurt, but to play injured and play well injured, and um, and I took a great deal of pride in doing that because it, it wasn't about me. It was about the people that I played with. And, um, you know, I thought that was important. I, I actually, um, my first year here in Denver in 1995, I woke up, um, I woke up on a Sunday morning. We had a, a Monday night game against the Raiders. I woke up on a Sunday morning with kidney stones and I was just like, three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, just an excruciating pain. If you've ever had kidney stones and people who, who they can relate to it, it, they're awful. Right. And so my wife, cause she had dealt with me before, she's like sent me downstairs on the couch, goes try to sleep it off, you know, see if you can just kind of, so I muscled through till, I don't know, five o'clock in the morning or whatever. And I'm like, it's miserable. And my parents happen to be in town. So, um, we told them we were going to the hospital and she takes me to the hospital and I spent all day in the hospital. They transferred me from one hospital to another hospital. I can't, the stones are so, they're so big. I can't pass them. And so it's like literally nine 30, 10 o'clock at night, Sunday night, we've got a game the next morning against the Raiders or our tribes. And they're like, Hey, we're going to have to surgically take these kidney stones. Right. So, I mean, Coop, I'm, I'm like, all right, let, let's roll. So you roll <laughs> down the hallway. Right. And they roll me into the, the operating room. And you got your little gown on, but your butt naked. It's literally snowing in the operating room. So, I mean, you, you have to get a flashlight and a pair of tweezers to take a piss. It's so cold in there, right? <laughs> and I am laying on this table. Every person in there is female. Like, the, the nurses, my anesthesiologist is female. Everybody is female. And so the, 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 the scrub down nurse comes in and goes, are you allergic to iodine or betadine? Cause I'm going to be your scrub down nurse. They go right through your junk and they go into your, like into your, uh, through your junk, into your, through your bladder, into your, with, I think it's the ureter that goes from your kidneys down to your bladder to take this, to take these stones out. And I looked, I looked at the anesthesiologist. I'm like, Hey, listen, it's freezing cold in here. You guys are going to need to put me out before she starts scrubbing <laughs> down. So I literally go to sleep 
right? Got my legs in the stirrups. I wake up and I have to take, like, I have to take a morphine shot to take a piss. Um, it's all blood. Like it's, it's horrible. Right. And the next morning I check myself out of the hospital at 10 o'clock in the morning. I drive to pregame. Uh, I eat a piece of toast. I drive down to the stadium and, uh, and play against the Raiders. We beat them 20, 27 to nothing. Um, you know, straight up, straight out of the emergency operating room onto the field <laughs> to play the Raiders. And that was, that to me was, that's what I do. Um, that was my responsibility. So I've always, I've always taken, not, not that I'm, I'm proud of myself, but I've always taken great pride in, in answering, you know, answering the bell for my teammates. The NBA Finals are finally here, and FanDuel Sportsbook has a championship offer you don't want to miss. Because during the Finals, new users get 30 to 1 odds on the Sons of the Bucks to win that game. That means you can win 150 bucks on a $5 bet. I like the Suns in Game 1. I like them comfortably. With FanDuel Sportsbook, there are more ways to win. And when you do win, getting your money is a layup. You'll get paid in as little as 24 hours. Sign up with promo code SOUP. That's the key promo code SOUP to bet the NBA Finals and get 30 to 1 odds. That is outrageously good. Exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. 21 plus and present in Colorado, Indiana, or New Jersey. Must wager in designated offer market. $10 first deposit required. 150 max bonus. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gaming problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. And 1-800-GAMBLER in Jersey. So... You're a sports fan. That's why you're listening, baby. But if you're considering getting in on the fun of sports gambling, I want to let you know about a great resource, the Action Network. And I'm all over it like Revis Island. I have nothing but great things to say about it. The Action Network is where fans go when they're ready to bet smarter and turn a profit betting on sports. In fact, their free Action Network app was recently named the best app in sports betting. With the Action app, you can see the latest picks and articles from Action Network gambling experts, as well as personalities like Colin Cowherd, compare odds from different sports books, and track every bet you make so you always know how your picks are doing. So, if the game means more to you, download the free Action Network app and start betting smarter. Mark, as, as, as a tough guy, were there times did you think you had an influence over a teammate, you mentioned being a great teammate. And I think that's how they always talk about Mickey Mantle. As much uh, as he did for ba- baseball, it was all in the, in, the, in the outfield. It says Mickey Mantle, a great teammate. You know, ignore all the hoopla and the highlights and, the, you know, being the most popular guy. I thought that was cool because he's just a, a grounded guy. But were there people in the locker room that you thought were a little more self-centered and me guys that you were able to kind of spread the, the good teammate gene to them and make them – look at things a little differently at times? Well, yeah, I, I, I mean, I hope so. I mean, I, I hope that was part of my legacy, um, you know, and just the whole, just the whole, it's not only playing hurt and playing injured, but playing well hurt and injured. Like that was, that was part of the mantra, right? It's not enough to play hurt. You got to play well hurt. And uh, anybody can play the game when they feel good. Um, you got to be able to play the game when you feel like crap and you got to play well. And so that was always, that was always part of, of what I believed in or what I tried to bring to a football field, you know, kind of that leadership through setting an example through doing it. Um, 
But, you know, Rod Smith was a teammate for a long time and one of the great Broncos in the history. Probably should be, not probably, should be in the Hall of Fame. He's a phenomenal football player. Never missed a workout, never missed any. I mean, anything. He would throw, like, he'd be more proud. We, we play a game against the Raiders and, and Mike Anderson's running for us and he breaks one down the sideline and, and you know, we, we run 19 handoff strong or something and, and Rod's the ex receiver on the backside. And, um, and he, he breaks one down the sideline. He's weaving in and out and, and Rod loops around and uh, the nose guard for the Raiders at the time. Oh gosh, I'm, I'm blanking on his name. But big, not, what's not, that? Not Chester McLaughlin. Not, no, no, no. It wasn't Chester. It was, uh, it was another one of them big hog molly type guys, but uh but I'll remember it at some point. It doesn't matter. He's Rod loops around from the X, and the guy's chasing, you know, chasing down the sideline, trying to eat 20 yards behind or whatever. And this is back when you could blindside people and you just got applauded and pat on the back instead of, you know, fine. <laughs> um, but but Rod loops around and absolutely uh absolute Grady Jackson. Oh, yeah. Absolutely lays Grady Jackson out. I mean, just ass over tea kettle feet in the air right so we're in the next day on monday you know looking at the film or whatever and we come out of the o-line meeting room and rod is in the locker room. now rod probably had seven catches and two touchdowns for 112 yards all he could talk about was blowing up Brady jackson it was like the greatest it was like that was that was how our team was and that's how those guys were like they took more pride in throwing a great block that sprung td than they did catching touchdowns and doing all that stuff. But I had had a, uh, a knee surgery, one of the many I had when I was playing. And um, it was, it was like, I, I had it like on a Monday and it was Friday. And so I still had this, like the sutures with the little Steri strips. And I actually had blood trickling down my legs because it was, it was still kind of open. And I was pulling up my knee sleeve and Rod's locker was right across from my leg. And he's like, what are you doing? I go, I'm getting ready for practice. And he goes, what? And I go, yeah, I'm going to practice. And he's, he just shakes his head and he goes, dude. And I go, what? And he goes, my hammy's a little tender and they gave me the day off. He goes, but I cannot, I can't let you go out <laughs> to practice with blood trickling down your shins and me take a day off for a hammy. So he got dressed and he was out there playing, right? Out there practicing. But that was kind of the connection we had as a football team. Um, during those th during those years in Denver, which were just phenomenal. One of your teammates, uh, arguably one of the most competitive. I hear competitive stories before, but John Elway on the competitive side, just being almost may maybe to a fault, like right. you know, a game of pool. Or I heard he played pool with B Bubby Brister one time, and Bubby beat him, and he you know got rid of the pool table. Is is the the legend of Elway's competitive streak legit? Oh, yeah. Oh, and, and it's always one of those things, kind of like uh, you always felt like, what do you want me to beat you? You want to go, you guys want to play ping pong, golf, pool, pop a shot, <laughs> you know, ball hockey? Like, what is it? <laughs> what do you want to lose in today? Because I'm, I'm there bowling, you know, whatever it is. Uh, that was that was Elway. But, you know, it's always funny because uh, when you switch teams, you know, you, you, you have this kind of opportunity to be a fly on the wall for a while until you assimilate into that team and get to know guys and all that kind of stuff. And it's always interesting to see how, how guys are, right? How, how players are. Elway was a legend um, when I got to Denver. And the thing that I always appreciated is 
John, you know, in, in the view of, of the world's eyes, John had owned or, or, or created the right or, or, or worked for the right to be a prima donna, if you will, and never was. If we were running as a team, he was running as a team. If we were lifting, we did this, we used to do this uh, leg sled thing. Rich Tootin was our strength coach, and, and it was, it was, it was, when we did the leg sled, it was a miserable day because not only they'd stack a ton of weight on it, but then he would hold, Rich would hold it down. And it's just miserable. It's one of those things you get done doing and you can't walk for two days. And, you know, the strength coach thinks it's really funny, that type of thing. And so I was in a group. I was in a group and John was in the group. And we're all just like, oh, my God, this this freaking leg sled, you know, hammer leg sled thing. And uh, John gets himself strapped in there and Rich is leaning on it. And uh, and John goes, you realize if I refuse to do this, I'm still going to make the team, right? <laughs> And, and Rich is like, yeah, I, I get it. He goes, all right, let's roll, you know? And so John just never, he never used that, that clout he had as one of the best players in the history of the game to ever shirk his responsibilities to the team. And I always, I always kind of being a fly on the wall and watching, I always really appreciated that about John and the way he worked. Mark, you were, uh, you made a, a very seamless transition from football into the broadcasting side, both on TV, calling games, in the booth, what have you. Always loved your time, you know, back in Mike and Mike, they'd bring you in. They uh, loved you. It's like, they were so excited. And Greenberg loved to say the word stink. Oh, I got stink. And he would say stink 36 times during your, right. your on-air time. Um, but speaking of guys playing hurt, you were pretty outspoken doing a game one time, uh, talking about uh, Jay Cutler one time when he peeled out of a game early from injury. And you were saying, you know, they'd have to, pull me out on a stretcher before they're going to, you know, let me right. finish during a deal. Um, did you enjoy having that platform to kind of speak your mind? Yeah. You know, I've, I've, I've always looked at it like Coop, I've, I've looked at it this way, you know, and, and there are guys that don't like me very much at times, you know, um, and that's okay. Um, that's the way it is. Uh, I, I just feel like I earned the right to earn the right to be honest, earn the right to be critical of it if that's what's required. And, and so like my thought process is this, is there's nobody that, that gave up any more of himself, you know, from a teammate standpoint, an injury standpoint, whatever the case may be, than I did. Um, and, and so therefore, like to me, once that was done, I graduated from playing and uh, I owe that same type of effort to whoever employs me. And so my deal was my deal was to just give to you straight, no chaser. And if you don't like it, that's on you. And I've had conversations with guys that, you know, I either played with or, or that coached me, even Mike Shanahan and I, who are, were very good friends. But early in my career as a broadcaster, um, I said something that he didn't like. And, and my thought process was this, man. I go, I gave you everything that I had. How could you ask me? to use less integrity with my next employee to not give them the same effort that I gave you. So that, that brings into question my integrity and I won't do it. And so that's just how I've always approached it. And Hey man, if you want, you know, play well, if, <laughs> if you want me to talk nice about you, play well. Um, and that's just kind of how I always, that's kind of how I always looked at it. Like I, I earned the right. So I get to say whatever I want. I always like the Bill Parcells quote. He said, if I hurt your feelings, get over it. Yeah. 
Right. I mean, how much more blunt can you be? And I think that's you got to have you got to have thick skin in this. Yeah, this I think I think the other world. yeah I think the other thing, Coop, is it. I know I've done the work. Like I put I put a ton of time into studying. I put a ton of time into uh, you know in just to work and watching film and try to educate myself and using guys like Mike Shanahan as a mentor and sitting down with them and other coaches and. I've got a connection of coaches in this league and general managers in this league that know that I've done the work. So, you know, they, they don't mind educating me. And I'm always trying to learn um, everything I can learn about this game. I'm a junkie, you know, I'm a football junkie. I love it. And so I'm constantly working on, on that aspect of it. So, you know, it's one of the reasons that I've gotten, a, you know, the opportunity to consult with several teams uh, and, and that I've done over the years and, and continue to do. And, um, and I, I just appreciate that connection. And again, it's about that relational connection that you have with, uh, with people that are in this league that are passionate about the game like you are. How did you get the nickname Stink? You know, it, it, there's, it's, there's, two, there's two basic kind of tracks on, on, on a, it's like a train track, you know, parallel tracks, right? Both are true stories. Um, one is more entertaining than the other. And, and, and so the original, the original, how the, how the nickname initially became what it is, is my sister um, taught at a, a Eskimo village in Alaska, a village called Akiachuk, Alaska, nestled right on the Kuskokwim River. And um, so the first run of salmon during the season, the, the native the native people that lived in the village, uh, she was a school teacher, so she taught school there, um, that they would dip net the Cusquim River and pull the salmon out, thousands of salmon, right? And so nothing goes to waste. So they cut the heads of the salmon off and they would throw the heads in this giant pit that they had dug out. And they would cover the salmon in this pit and let the heads rot and ferment. And then they would dig up the heads week later, weeks later, and eat them. And and they called them. You can you can Google it. You, they called stink heads. And so it would probably kill you or I, right? I mean, it's it's not something you want to eat, I'm sure. But um, it was it was part of what they did in the village. So I'm telling that story as a rookie in Washington, and instantly my name became Stinkhead. And then as, you know, as time passes, it went from stinkhead just to stinky. And then I'm playing a game in 1990, sweltering heat in Washington, D.C. against the Cleveland Browns. And I'm the youngest starter. So I started about halfway through my rookie season. So this is my second year in the league, and I'm the youngest starter. So, of course, not only am I starting, and this is week three in the preseason, so you used to play three quarters right back then. Um, not only am I starting, but I am the number one backup for both guards and center. So I, I'm, I'm playing swing guy, right, if somebody gets hurt. So we get done with our three quarters of football, and I'm sitting on the sideline on the bench in RFK. And, like, you took a, a, a pee break. I have got to – I've got to piss, right? <laughs> and – and they're like, just go, go in the locker room. And I go, dude, I'm the first dude up. I cannot just go in the locker room. Like, if, if somebody gets hurt, I've got to, you know, i got to be there, right? So I go, I'm just going to go. And they're like, no. And I'm like, literally. 
And so I'm sitting there, I'm sitting with like Ed Simmons and Raleigh McKenzie and Jeff Bostick and Eddie uh, and Jimmy Lachey. And all of a sudden, like I'm just full bladder empty. It's draining out of my pants over the top of the aluminum bench, right? And they're all like, they're all getting up. They're like, oh my God, you're disgusting. This is the, like, this is, and I just laugh and I think it's hilarious, too, right? And so I'm like, watch. And I'm waving to people. And meanwhile, just this giant stream of urine has fallen off the bench, right? Off the <laughs> aluminum bench. And I'm waving to people, hey, how you doing? How you doing? And literally, I get done like full bladder and like to the point where, you know, you're shaking it off. And even though you can't hold it, you just got to shake it, right? Yeah. And like, as soon as I'm done, stay. And I'm like, the head going like what? And somebody, somebody had gotten the backup center, you know, had gotten hurt. And Stan Humphreys was in the game. And they go, Sink, we need you. So Stan's on the sideline as they're tending to this guy. I got to go in the game. And like, let me get a couple warm up snaps. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> so I buckle up my helmet. I just full bladder empty in my pants, right? I mean, I'm sopping wet. I'm just sopping wet. And, um, and so Stan, gets behind me and you know, the quarterback never goes directly in there's always kind of a, a foreplay like he puts a hand on your low back and one on your butt cheek right and just yeah. let you know he's back there and so he's like blue 80 blue 80 six in huh? and i snapped the ball and just he's like oh my god i got sweat in my eyes he's like <laughs> and like all the o-linemen are howling they think you know because he doesn't know he doesn't know it's just full urine snap and uh and so that's how the nickname kind of stuck from stinkhead to stinky, just to stink because of, of that situation. So um, that's how that's how the nickname uh, became, and, and that's how it kind of stuck. Well, I assure you, your time with me on Soup with Coop did not stink. As <laughs> always, stink. We always uh, take a little sip, even maybe uh -huh. get cold, and, and grade out your minestrone one to a thousand. A thousand being the best. Mm, I just spilled all over. I love it. Uh, um, I'm going to go 9.95. It's it's tremendous, and because of because added factor, it's a, a super poppers, which I learned today on the program. So um, that's that's why I'm giving it such a high grade. <laughs> we like to educate our guys, you know. Yeah. Can't thank you enough for being on, buddy. Really enjoyed it. Great seeing you. Hopefully, uh, see you this fall in a in a stadium near you. All right, buddy. Always good to talk to you, man. All the best to you and your family. And like I said uh, before we even started this, I always appreciated your family. They've always been very gracious to me. So uh, thank you for that. Take care, buddy. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye.